This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Roast and Reason podcast. In this podcast episode, we're going to start a series that I'm really excited to bring you. This is a series about coffee and your health. This series is going to be long. It's going to be multiple parts, at least four to five separate podcast episodes. In this episode, part one, we're going to talk a lot about some introductory material. We're going to set the stage so that we're all on the same page to really examine and talk about coffee's impact on your health. We're not going to talk about specific health entities in this episode, but as a preview, here's a list of things that we're going to discuss throughout this series. Brain function coffee and exercise, depression, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, stroke, heart attacks, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, cancer, aging, and longevity. That is a huge list. Yes, there is recent and very good research on coffee's effect on all of these. And we're going to cover all of these topics throughout this podcast series. So for the next month on the podcast, we are going to be talking about your health. And at this point, you ner- you normally hear someone say, I'm not a doctor, so consult with your physician before making any changes, right? Very standard legal statement. Well, I am a doctor, so I don't need to say all of that. But everyone is different, and so I am not your doctor. I don't know your specific medical history. Some people don't tolerate coffee very well. They get jittery, and it upsets, upsets their stomach. There are also certain medical conditions where it's probably best to avoid very heavy coffee consumption. So this series is not filled with specific medical advice to you. Instead, I'm really going to focus on the research and what the, re- the best and most recent coffee research tells us about coffee and our health. So please, by all means, if you're on medication for something like high blood pressure, don't suddenly stop it without telling your doctor and think, I'll just in- increase my coffee intake and that'll even out in the end. Don't do that, please. The other thing is sometimes when researchers or doctors talk about data and research, they get really deep into the weeds. This is not me. This is not my style. And that this is not what I'm going to do on this podcast series. So I don't want to scare you away by all this research talk. Yes, at times in this series, we're going to talk about things like chemicals with really long names. Things like neurotransmitters, which are the chemicals 
in the brain that affect how we think and how our brains work, and some specific types of research studies. But when these things come up, I will explain what all of this means. My goal is to take the current coffee science, boil it down, and present it in a, in a way that is meaningful, useful, and easy to understand, either if you're somebody in the science field or not at all. I want everybody listening to really understand what the research is telling us. So I'm really going to try to boil all of this down for everybody. Also, whenever I can, I'm going to use common terms for things rather than medical terms. So I'm going to use terms like high blood pressure rather than hypertension. doesn't make sense to use the big uh, medical terms for the purpose of our discussion here. So with all of that out of the way, here's the $1 million question, or potentially even more. Is coffee good for you, or is it bad for your health? Everyone seems to have an opinion, and there are a ton of old wives' tales out there and conventional wisdom. I am sure you've heard sayings like, coffee causes stomach ulcers. Or coffee causes cancer. But is any of this actually true? Is any of this actually supported by good research? After all, we as humans have had some really stupid beliefs in the past that science has disproven. Recently, I think everybody remembers the whole margarine is better than butter bullshit. Yeah, we were really wrong on that one. How about bloodletting for the treatment of basically any medical condition you could think of? Good luck finding a doctor nowadays willing to bloodlet for any med- almost any medical condition. So our beliefs change based on improved understanding of our surroundings and based on research. Turns out, we've had some really stupid beliefs about coffee in the past, too. Back in the 1500s, the mayor of Mecca believed that coffee made people more sexually promiscuous and caused them to gamble. So he tried and succeeded in closing all of the coffee houses throughout the city of Mecca. That was a big time because in the uh, the big event because in the 1500s coffee was very popular in that area of the world. A political superior several weeks later reversed his decision, but this guy had some pretty strong beliefs about coffee. Members of the Women's Petition Against Coffee which was a group of concerned English women in the 1600s, rallied against, against coffee. At the time, women were excluded from visiting coffee houses while their husbands spent basically the whole day split between a coffee house and a pub. So these women openly complained in writing, and this is a direct quote, and no, I'm not going to even try an English accent, They said, 
We find of late a very sensible decay in the true Old English vigor. Never did men wear greater breeches or carry less in them of any metal whatsoever. The quote continues, They come from it with nothing moist but their snotty noses, nothing stiff but their joints, nor standing but their ears. If you listen to that again, that is a beautifully eloquent way to say that they were concerned and complaining that coffee was making their husbands impotent. The men, not to be outdone, defended coffee much more directly. Here was their quote. Coffee makes the erection more vigorous, the ejaculation more full, and adds spiritualescency to the sperm. Take that. And no, I have no damn idea what spiritualescency of sperm means. I have no idea. So, historically, we've had some really, really bizarre ideas about what coffee did to our health. And so now, flash forward a few hundred years. And even as recently as several decades ago, or several years ago, we continued to have really weird ideas of what coffee did to our health. Compared to back in the 15 or 1600s, you know, during that fast forward through several hundred years, we've passed the Enlightenment era, the scientific method has been developed, and so we started studying the world around us. And we started studying coffee and what it did to our bodies. A lot of the common misconceptions and conventional wisdom related to coffee and health more recently had to do with stuff that was actually studied. The problem was a host of very poorly designed research suggested that coffee caused or was associated with a whole list of health conditions. Studies reported that coffee caused high blood pressure, that it caused heart attacks or birth defects, cancer, miscarriages. It turns out that this research that proposed all of this sucked. And it sucked because they never, the researchers responsible for it, never controlled for different variables. Like, for instance, smoking. Like, duh, that's research design 101 in order to isolate the importance or the impact of a single variable, in this case, coffee consumption, you need to control for all the other variables. And what do I mean by this? Let's say that we take 50 random coffee drinkers and 50 random people who don't drink coffee, and we're going to study those two groups. Sounds good, right? Well, what if we don't control for smoking, meaning that we want the number of smokers to be the same between the two groups. And what if we don't even ask? What if we don't even factor that into our equation of we just take 50 coffee drinkers, 50 non-drinkers? What if it turns out that 45 of our 50 coffee drinkers also smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, but only 
five of our non-coffee drinkers smoke. I'm not saying that's a common association, but if you're designing this research and that's the breakdown that ends up happening, well, then what are you measuring? Are you measuring the effect of coffee consumption or are you measuring the effect of smoking? That's what I'm talking about, and that is the major problem that most early research related to coffee and health had. They did not control for variables, and the most common one was smoking. So we now know that smoking causes high blood pressure, heart attacks, heart disease, birth defects, cancer. So all of the things that coffee was supposed to originally cause very well may have just been smoking. And really more recent evidence that we're going to talk about in this series paints a very, very different picture related to coffee and your health. And the vast majority of it is is very positive. And it's not just smoking that you need to control for when you want to look at health outcomes in research. You also want to control for age, gender, underlying health conditions or medical conditions, so on and so forth. So my goal with this in-depth series is to discuss the most recent research and data about coffee and your health. No old wives' tales, no conventional wisdom. What we're going to talk about is actual data that has been studied and We're only going to talk about results from good, reliable studies. If a study didn't control for variables and paints a confusing picture, we're not going to talk about it. That's nonsense. That's not actual science. So I'm going to focus on the good science that is telling us what coffee's impact on our health actually is. And since you're listening to a podcast about coffee, I bet you kind of like coffee, and so do I, and you probably drink a fair amount of it, and so do I, and you're not alone. About 60 to 65% of all Americans over the age of 12 start their morning with at least one cup of coffee. That's a lot of people. So it's important to understand if this beverage is just delicious and helps us get up in the morning, or if it has some health benefits or poses health risks. Before we get any further, I feel obligated to make a few things clear. First, the results that we're going to talk about in this series are about coffee, right? Coffee. Not all of the additives to it. So a Starbucks venti red velvet cream frappuccino as delicious as it might sound, does not count here. We're talking coffee. A large caramel latte with extra milk and whipped cream topped with caramel does not count. If you drink your daily coffee with more sugar than coffee in it, then kiss any of the benefits of coffee goodbye. And I'm hinting at what's going to come further in the series. Research is showing us that there are a ton of benefits that coffee gives us in terms of our health. But we know sugar's bad for us. So we're really talking about 
coffee here, like the delicious, plain, black stuff. Got it? So that's one thing I want to touch on. I'm going to save some of the really interesting and positive results that researchers are finding about coffee and your health for, for the next few parts of this series. But before we wrap up this week, I'd like to make another very important point about research. And this is a little bit nitty-gritty, but stick with me here. And this is why this is an introductory um, episode. In scientific and medical research, there are two basic approaches. There's the observational approach and the interventional approach. So in observational research, a scientist or doctor will observe something as it is happening or after it already happened. On the other hand, in an interventional research study, which are commonly called randomized controlled trials, a researcher will change the environment and watch what happens as a result. So the researcher will intervene and alter something. It's not strictly observational. The difference may not seem like much. It may seem kind of nitpicky here. But the difference actually is huge in what the data or results tell us. And stick with me here because this is an important point that most people, including many professionals in the medical field, tend to lose sight of. So let's examine two examples to see the difference. So study number one, I observe a thousand people by grouping them into coffee drinkers and non-coffee drinkers. I then examine what kind of health problems each person has and examine if there are differences between the two groups. So that is an example of observational research. See what I mean here? I'm just observing. I'm not altering anything. Let's take study number two. I take a thousand people, the same thousand people. I'm going to take a thousand people that don't currently drink coffee. And randomly, I'm going to assign 500 of them to start drinking coffee as part of my study. The other 500... I'm going to keep away from coffee. So I'm going to have them continue to not consume coffee during the study. Then I'm going to measure the different health outcomes between the two groups. This is an example of interventional research. And there's a reason why I'm going into this much explanation about the two different types of studies. There's a huge difference in what the results mean. Interventional studies show causation, meaning one thing causes another. For instance, coffee causes a lower risk of stroke would be an example of a conclusion of an interventional study. See, the word cause is in there. So if I drink coffee, that is going to cause or result in a lower risk of stroke for me. Observational studies, on the other hand, can't show causation. Instead, they show a correlation or association, meaning one thing is associated with another. For example, coffee consumption is associated with a lower risk of stroke. 
Again, this might seem nitpicky or just like it's semantics, but it is actually very meaningful. Almost all studies that examine the health benefits of coffee that we're going to talk about in this series are observational studies. There are very, very few interventional studies that show causation. So basically, all of what I'm going to talk about and tell you about is an association. But this is true for almost all scientific and health-related research when it comes to food and health or supplements and health and most exercise programs and health. So even though I spent some time talking about the differences in interventional and observational studies and causation versus association, and even though most of these show associations, these are still meaningful results. These are still meaningful studies with meaningful health benefits. But I just wanted to be totally clear and upfront about what we're talking about here. All right, so that's a lot of information and a lot of introductory stuff for one episode. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to coffee and your health. I listed off at the beginning of this episode all of the things that we're going to talk about. In part two of this series, which will air next week, we're going to focus on coffee's impact on your brain function and physical performance. So we're going to talk all about mental and physical performance and how coffee impacts that. We're going to save coffee's effect in terms of treatment or prevention of different disease entities for later episodes. And again, things that we're going to talk about, things like brain health, that will be covered in part three of this series. We'll, we'll talk about depression and Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease in that, in that episode. Other episodes will have kind of the big health conditions that affect most Americans right now and cause the most number of deaths. Things like heart attack and stroke, diabetes, And we'll even talk about longevity and aging and how coffee might affect how we age. So we have a ton of really, really interesting information to cover in this series. And I hope you'll check out the rest of the episodes that will come in the next few weeks. Also, as a reminder, you still have a bit of time to take advantage of the 25% off coupon code from our friends at angelscup.com. It's a 25% off your first shipment from them. So be sure to check that out. And again, the coupon code for that is ROASTANDREASON25, all lowercase. So everybody, I alluded to what's to come in the next couple episodes. A lot of the scientific research is showing very, very favorable results in terms of coffee's impact on your health. So feel free to continue consuming your favorite delicious coffee. And until next week, here's to your health and happiness. Take care, everybody.